This podcast is a proud member of the CypherCast Network. Discover more at cyphercast.net and follow us on Twitter at cyphercast.net. Welcome to Incantations, an Invisible Sun podcast. I'm Scott. And I'm Dave. And we will be your guides along the path of suns. Today we sing two spells. With Embrace the Black Cube, we discuss Design Diary 7, which is all about character creation. And then, with Transmissions from the Invisible Sun, we talk about the recent Kickstarter update. Join us on the path of suns, and we may uncover a secret or two. With Embrace the Black Cube, we discuss the occasional Design Diary blog posts about the design of the Invisible Sun RPG. In this segment, we will be discussing the seventh Design Diary about the character creation process. Uh, So real quickly before we get into this, I just want to make a note that you might hear cats or other animals, um, because I had to move out of my office and I'm recording in a bigger room where I don't have any privacy, so hey, apologies in advance. Uh, but anyway, um, we're going to be talking about the character creation uh, that Invisible Sun is going to be using. And uh, it's it's going to be similar to creating characters in the Cypher system. Uh, but there is a whole bunch of new stuff that is going to be vastly different. And I think it's interesting to note that Monty Cook, when he was originally designing the Cypher system, he wanted to build a character creation system that would be very quick and easy to get through so that players would be able to start interacting with the worlds that they were creating these characters for rather than, you know, getting bogged down in creating characters before they could actually start playing. Uh, So Monty must have gone through some sort of shift in perspective because the design goal that he has with Invisible Sun is that uh, character creation is going to be part of the play experience. And this is similar to, you know, character creation in other systems that are out there. And we'll get into that in a little bit more later. But I just thought it was uh, interesting that character creation is now uh, something that's been codified as part of the actual play for Invisible Sun. With the Cypher system, you you would select three things in order to make a character. Uh, Very simply, you would select a noun, a verb, and an adjective. And that basically described what your character was about and the sorts of things that they'd be able to do. And it was a really neat little system to just quickly summarize a character. Uh, And it, you know, in my opinion, it made uh, the Cypher system really nice to set up at uh, one-shots at conventions because it was easy to summarize a character for players just by saying, hey, you just read this sentence, it gives you an idea of what this character is all about. And you can just pick the one that you like and figure out, you know, the mechanics of it later. Uh, And it's pretty simple and straightforward. That character sentence is still going to exist in Invisible Sun. There's, well, I mean, something similar. There, There are more options that you're going to be choosing. Uh, And they do mean different things, but there's still a very basic idea that you're going to have, you're going to have some kind of character that is something that does something, but 
in addition, they're going to be part of an order and they're going to have hearts and souls and all sorts of other things that, you know, we'll, we'll learn about as, as things are coming out. So as I was saying, uh, Monty has kind of shifted gears when it comes to character creation and he is looking at it as something that's much more meaningful. He wants there to be a lot of decisions that you make in character creation so that you can build the character that you want to play in the game. However, I I think that it's a a bit different than like a crunchier character creation system that you might find in let's say Dungeons and Dragons 3.5 or Pathfinder or, oh, I don't know. How crunchy is Traveler? Did you ever play that? I have not played it, but the reputation is it's sufficiently crunchy that you could die during character creation. Right. Um, and I'm just wondering, if, is is it crunchy or are you building like this massive backstory for your character that informs their stats? My guess, having not played it, just having read about it, my guess is it's not quite as crunchy as one expect from like a contemporary tactically oriented game, mm-hmm. uh, but that there is just this extended backstory. And so the joke about dying during character creation is that depending upon the, the, the history that you roll up, you could actually accumulate enough penalties uh, that your character is unsustainable. GURPS might be the comparison for crunchy. GURPS. Yeah, I was going to mention GURPS too. Um, GURPS would would also be a, a pretty crunchy system. And I don't I don't know if that's actually the the sort of crunch that Monty's going for with this cuz this reads more of like your the bells and whistles, the knobs that you're turning uh in order to tune your character. Uh they read more like knobs that you're turning to dial in the backstory and the environment that your character is going to be, you know, interacting in. And the design diary goes to lengths to emphasize how collaborative the process is. Uh, And Mm -hmm. that's part of what makes the system more elaborate. Uh, But that's a different type of elaborate than uh, a mathematically oriented spreadsheet that you have to sort of optimize uh, in various dimensions. Um, So the intent is to spend more time, but not necessarily have that time with a calculator on your own trying to figure out if you've missed a, a bonus somewhere. Yeah. But instead, to have extra time interacting with other players so that your characters are connected to each other. And there's some of this coming out of the Cypher system. Um, I believe it's the, is it the foci that have the connections to other players? Or yeah, I think that might be right. Yeah, what One of the parts of the character sentence for Cypher system characters uh, has in it a little a, a short table where you could choose a connection to another player uh, at the beginning of the game. Uh, and that, I think, is a good preview as to the direction of the more elaborate character creation in Invisible Sun. Though, again, it's just kind of a preview of that. There's there's a lot more to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there there is a lot more to it. And uh, the idea here is that your first session is going to be building the rest of your character with the rest of the group. Uh, so the idea is everybody's going to uh, create their uh, their visle prior to the first session, but they're not going to be a complete character. And you'll bring that character to the first session. You'll all talk about who your characters are, and then the GM is going to lead the group through a collaborative uh, session where you create uh, a whole bunch of things for each other's characters. And those things that you're going to be creating are basically, um, you know, the environment that your character lives in. So 
you might have an idea of what your character's house is going to be like. And we've heard that uh, houses are something that's very, that are very important to the Vizlay uh, player characters in the game. So the details you're filling in for other people will be uh, who lives near uh, a player's character. Like, who are their neighbors? Uh, are there, you know, interesting people around that they might interact with on a day-to-day basis? Uh, so basically, everybody's going to get some NPCs built into their characters that they're going to have uh, nearby. Other things that you're going to be building out are points of interest that are going to be in your neighborhood. Uh, so that might be something uh, as mundane as a, a local dive bar that you you live near, or perhaps it's going to be something else like uh, governmental offices or um, you know strange marketplaces where you can. Uh, get your hands on illicit goods, um, but there there could be all sorts of different things that you could come up with for points of interest, and uh, your compatriots are going to be building those for you. And the last thing that he mentions is that there are going to be uh, local rumors and issues that are going to be part of the neighborhood as well. Uh, so to me, that just sounds like uh, plot hooks that your players are coming up with and then feeding you as the GM. Which hey, that's that's pretty cool. It is quite useful. Um, I, th- you know, we have to be careful what we say based on the NDAs for the playtest. But I think we can say very general things like uh, our experiences with the uh, session G- zero have suggested that these processes are influential. Uh, that you know, I, I each of the session zeros I've come out of, uh, I've uh, come out of with a wide variety of possible storylines I did not go into Session Zero thinking about. Yeah, uh, same here. Like, the Session Zero stuff has been really great. And, I mean, it's just building a whole bunch of... It's building a whole bunch of story for you that you don't have to come come up with on your own. And your players are going to be invested in whatever you use because they're the ones that came up with it. Like, it's, it's just baked in there. And you don't even have to do anything for it. And that's how I've used that in the game that I'm I'm running. Uh, uh, the uh, I had an idea for a story that has is sort of the backbone for the campaign, uh, but the session zero created so many other elements to the to the various neighborhoods and the setting itself that uh, I always had something I could fall back on uh, that I could if I needed something to you know, connect to the characters to bring, make the characters interested. Uh, I, I could always just go back to the material from session zero to connect and hook it back in. And that's been mm-hmm. very useful. Yeah, that is uh, <laughs> it's super nice. It's a really good idea. And I, I found this really interesting because it seems like session zero has become uh, something that's way more prevalent in a lot of the, well, I guess podcasts and articles that I've been reading and listening to. Uh, and session zero is also something that my gaming groups have, you know, started doing as well. Uh, I'm currently running a D&D, a short D&D campaign, and we did a session zero where we built out our characters and built their backstory. Um, in our case, we used like a modified version of Fiasco to come up with all of those ideas. Uh, and we're going to be doing another session zero for Knights Black Agents, just for everybody to get together, uh, sit down, and you know, 
uh, spitball their character ideas and put together a cohesive group that makes sense and is on the same page. Uh, so Session Zero has really been you know, something I've been hearing a lot more about. And it really reminds me of when I used to play RPGs way back in high school, where we would get together and just sit down for a couple hours and just dig through books, like with Shadowrun, you'd dig through all of the, uh, you know, street gear in the Street Samurai Guide and, you know, build characters for an entire day and then, you know, take them out for a test run. The importance of Session Zero reinforces another theme that's come up in a variety of the updates and, and information. That This is a game that's built from the from the ground to be campaign play. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it is not really built to facilitate one-shots uh, or even really tight, short arcs, like two or three sessions. Uh, it is built where you, you it should be long enough that you have room for a Session Zero to establish the foundation for the rest of the for the campaign. That's not to say the game won't work in those other settings, but the idea that you would have an entire session devoted to character creation and the interconnections between the characters set, tells, tells us something about the intention of the length of the campaign arcs. That these are you know, it's intended to, these are intended to set up many sessions moving forward. Uh, and uh, you, you won't be rolling into a, your local convention and having uh, an hour session zero before a three-hour one-shot and then walk away with your Invisible Sun game. Uh, the game's just not built that way. It's really built for a high-investment, long-term story, uh, which is uh, a strength in some in some ways and, and, a, and a limitation in others. Uh, but it's certainly built into the DNA of the game. Yeah, and there there is the idea of the shadow character, Um which was a simpler version of a Vizlay character. Um, you know, once we find out what that's all about, then that might, you know, open up some more options for people who can, who just want to drop in and play a session here and there. But, you know, we don't really have a whole lot of information about that yet. Right. And, and one thing I, we may have mentioned before, but we can say with provide a little more detail on now is that the schedule for Gen Con is now out in public. Uh, and mm-hmm. uh, the way that Invisible Sun is being, uh, presented before its release at Gen Con this summer is through two formats, both of which emphasize the character creation process. They're doing booth demos of short character creation uh, and then uh, hour-long seminars that will have an interactive uh, session zero sort of experience for the people who attend. And so the emphasis is on in-depth character creation to illustrate the game itself. Um, in part because I, I, even if the game is out, I'm not sure how well uh, it is going to present as a four-hour con slot experience. Uh, though I would like to be wrong on that. <laughs> I, I have a feeling that it would probably work. Like if you get some pre-gens, like I'm sure you could put something together. I'm sure we could do something, uh, but I mean, it might not highlight the 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 things right. that they're really that Monty's really shooting for with the game. But mm-hmm. you know, I think it could work. Yeah, it's, it's it certainly could work. Uh, but yeah, it it won't reveal what is distinctive about the game, uh, and I, I don't think it'll play to the strengths of the game. So yeah, we've got some Gen Con sessions going on, and this is dropping before Gen Con, isn't it? Yes, this should be out uh, at least a month before Gen Con. Yeah, and Scott, which one are we doing? Are we doing Saturday? I believe we are, though that has not been confirmed yet. Okay, 
Well, hey, if you're listening to this and you're going to Gen Con, uh, sign up for the Saturday session because Scott and I are going to be running that one together. I may even try to sneak into some of the other day sessions because there is one. I'm not sure if it's every day. I believe it's at least Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Uh, at the, in the t- same time slot, there's going to be a one-hour uh, character creation seminar for Invisible Sun. So there will be lots of opportunities for people. Uh, this, you know, uh, I, you may want. To, I don't know how many tickets they have for each of these events, so you may want to get a ticket just in case. But it is a free event. I know that yeah. some of the other Monty Cook events in previous years have uh, either sold out or almost sold out of their free tickets. And so they ha- people had to sort of queue up with their tickets to get in first. And then however many seats were left over, they let other people in. Usually everyone who comes gets in. Uh, but given that potential scarcity, I suggest if you have the opportunity to grab one of those free tickets. Yeah, and the character creation stuff is a lot of fun. And I, we've, we've done a few of them now, and it's always been a blast. That might be a good segment in the future uh, for an episode that drops before Gen Con. might just be a segment on getting ready for Gen Con. That wouldn't be a bad idea. Some of, sometimes we call that foreshadowing. Well, not if you talk about it. <laughs> well, not if you say it's foreshadowing. Then it's two by foreshadowing. In Transmission from the Invisible Sun, we discuss information coming from Monty Cook Games about the game outside the regular design diaries. Today we want to discuss the recent Kickstarter update from June 25th. Uh, The Kickstarter updates have been somewhat slow recently, uh, though there's some assurances within this update that they are going to increase in frequency, uh, maybe as we come into uh, Gen Con and as there's more information to share. um, The playtest is ongoing, and uh, they are, uh, Monty Cook Games is, I'm sure, uh, rushing right now as they they do every year to get things lined up uh, for Gen Con. They've got various releases. Predation just came out. Uh, They have an Enuminera book uh, about to come out. Uh, they have the last of the Cypher System uh, games, uh, Unmasked, uh, coming out. So they're, they're very busy. Uh, and I think one of the casualties of that busyness may be uh, Kickstarter updates. But we did get one on June 25th, and it was, in fact, uh, chock full of uh, beautiful images and information about where Invisible Sun is in the development process uh, and some timetable issues moving forward. So we thought it would be useful to take some time out to discuss the Kickstarter update. I don't know. Do you know if the Kickstarter update is public uh, or if it's just Kickstarter backers that got the update or could get to the update? Uh, I am not certain on that one. I will take a look. Yeah, it, it, it is not necessarily covered by the NDA that the playtest is. Uh, so I'm not bashful about talking about the update. I'm just not sure if people will be able to go from here and link directly to it. But if we can link you directly to the update, we'll we'll do that in the show notes. Uh, The update starts uh, with the good news, you might say. Uh, The Sooth deck is done. Uh, The art is in, uh, and it looks gorgeous. The update has uh, several new images that will appear in the Sooth deck. Uh, the Sooth deck, in fact, just as proof that it is done, is in the hands of the playtesters. Uh, and they're so proud of the art for the Sooth deck that they are creating an art book, uh, a kind of digital art book that they are sharing with all of the Kickstarter backers. Uh, maybe at some, I don't know if there's a level threshold for that, uh, but they are uh, you know, making sure to get this, this art into the hands of Kickstarter backers uh, very early. 
Did you get an opportunity to look over the Sooth deck art, uh, or do you have any reactions to it? Uh, yeah, I've been looking over the art, and I I think the art is great. I love it. Um, and I've been using the art for you know some stuff that I've been doing on the side. Uh, so if you're following my goofy Twitter bot, you might start seeing this art show up uh, from time to time. Uh, but yeah, the art is really great. Oh, and also, uh, it is public, so we can we can talk freely. Excellent. Well, I, I wasn't too worried about the talking part. I was just worried about us being able to link, link to it. And uh, we can link to it. <laughs> we'll do both. That's even better. Uh, yeah, I can say that uh, this is, since we just got this update uh, and the art uh, very recently, uh, this week was the first playtest session I had that used the Sooth deck art, um, and it changed the way the Sooth deck worked in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm very happy with how it has worked out. Uh, it has been inspirational and, uh, the player, I got a lot of oohs and ahs from players as the Sooth deck, uh, art came out, even though I was just sort of pasting in screenshots, um, of the art from the art book. Uh, but it, it really is, a, a, I think is going to be an integral part of the experience of playing Invisible Sun. I think so. Uh, and I think the, one of the biggest things that I hadn't really thought about before is that, you know, with all of this new art that we're getting, it kind of informs more about what the setting is going to be like. And the setting is strange. Like the first piece of art in that Kickstarter update, the, the Vizier, like it looks almost like a film noirish sort of setting. Uh, and then you've got uh, a whole bunch of other stuff where it just feels like it's almost art deco and slightly Victorian. It's it's a really weird setting, and I'm still not sure exactly, you know, how how I guess how Saturn is supposed to feel. And and it, that might be part of the intention. I get the sense that you're not supposed to know how it feels because it's not supposed to feel comfortable mm-hmm. or familiar. It is supposed to feel dissonant in some ways. So there's, you know, the kind of noir elements next to the Victorian elements, next to steampunk elements, next to hyper surrealist elements, uh, and they mix and match in various sooth deck cards. Uh, but and and so while it sounds like a clash of styles, there's a certain coherence to the sooth deck art that does give a flavor uh, and a theme to the game that was very helpful to us. It also helped us sort of justify, like if, if we wanted to go crazy, we could just go crazy. Uh, the, mm-hmm. the art from the Sooth deck uh, as a representation of the imagery of the setting free inspired players, but it also unbound them that like, Oh, I don't have to worry about this making sense in a Tolkien fantasy uh, tone uh, or in a, you know, uh, grim, dark contemporary urban fantasy tone. Uh, no, I, I can, you know, go crazy with dream imagery and, uh, you know, things that would not work uh, by any understandable physics. Uh, and that was liberating. I feel like we might have a little more to talk about there in our next episode. Possibly. We'll see. Uh, more of that two by foreshadowing. Yeah. I was going to say it, but I didn't want you to have to edit it again. <laughs> The, <laughs> uh, <laughs> we'll see. Uh, the the good news from the Sooth deck was accompanied by some less good news. Uh, the uh, Monty Cook Games announced that they are delaying the, the intended release, the target release date for the Invisible Sun core game. 
from November to February. Do I have that right? That is yeah. correct. And uh, so this is disappointing. Uh, I'm sure uh, many of us will be somewhat disappointed, uh, though not, you know, earth shattering. Uh, the notion of a Kickstarter being delayed is not new. Uh, and this is such an ambitious project with so many uncertainties in its creation that this is hardly shocking. The delay in the release uh, has several implications. Uh, they are going to delay the start of the directed campaign because it would be kind of rude to have people uh, sign up for this directed campaign and say, we're going to start sending you all this information even though you don't have the game yet. Yeah, and I, I don't think that is actually a huge delay because the directed campaign, I think it was my understanding that it was going to start in January. That sounds familiar. So, yeah, I don't think that's a, a large delay unless they delay it also by, you know, an extra two or three months. Sure. So if it if it's delayed parallel to the uh, core the, the core uh, material, then it may be delayed, you know, the same amount of time, or it could just be that it, that the core material catches up and the directed campaign is almost simultaneous. Uh, though I think there is something to be said for putting a gap between the release of the core material and the beginning of the directed campaign, because frankly, it's going to take people some time to digest this material. Mm -hmm. uh, they mentioned, I believe in this Kickstarter that the, um, the, Number of words as a very rough indicator of the amount of material is something like one and a half times the length of the Cipher System rulebook. Uh, that's pretty significant. Yeah, it, the, these are very. This is a lot of material spread across several books, uh, yeah, and I, I can attest. Four books are going to be shipping in the box itself, mm -hmm. or in the cube, and then there will be more books coming after. Yeah, and the, the net of those books is longer than the Cipher System rulebook. Uh, so hmm. that's a lot of material. And, and uh, from the, I, I, I can say from the, the playtest material, it's, it's pretty dense. <laughs> yeah. It takes some studying uh, uh, to really get, you know, get a, your, your brain around some of, of this material, both the setting material uh, and the, the mechanics. So it, it would be worthwhile to spend some time after you get the core box uh, before you dive into the directed campaign, uh, because you want to really kind of think about what the system is and how it works, uh, and make characters and invest in your 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 game uh, before you start diving into the directed campaign. I, I'm I'm pretty sure I'm confident in that advice. Well, um, I guess the uh, the one thing to note about that is that there was going to be a rules primer, and that's not going to get delayed. Hopefully. Yes, that's true. Uh, that was, that's also sort of a silver lining in the delay was that they hope to still get the rules primer out on schedule, which would be at the towards the end of, of this calendar year. Uh, so you may be able to get a head start on understanding the rules uh, in particular uh, of the game uh, even before you get the actual uh, black cube itself. So uh, you might not have quite as much of a lag between getting the cube and diving into the campaign if you spent some time reading over the mechanics, becoming familiar with them before you get the whole uh, black cube. Yep. Uh, but that's uh, kind of where they leave the update. They do say again that they are going to, uh, they intend to provide more updates more frequently. Um, you know, uh, uh, Monty is apparently deep in the process of writing a lot of this material. Uh, and so some of the update schedule will depend upon when he has time to get away from the writing the actual book uh, and give us 
and, and give us updates. Um, I, I, you know, many of us would probably like him to prioritize getting the book done uh, and, mm-hmm. and investing in that, you're making the book as good as possible. Because as they emphasize, uh, if, if a book is delayed, uh, it's, you know, it's a, a temporary pain for a few months when you don't have your book. But if you rush the book out and there's ma- significant problems with it, it's, you know, it's forever in that book. So yep. if you have if you release a broken game, the game is always broken. If you release a game that's three months late, uh, the game is late for three months and then it is more or less forgotten. Yeah, so I'm I'm not too upset about that delay. I'm I'm looking forward to it coming out in February. Right, and uh, I fully expect there there is uh, going to be more information coming out soon, uh, whether from more Kickstarter updates and continued design diaries, uh, but also at Gen Con. Uh, they will, you know, have I'm sure uh, a lot more information coming out. Uh, they they like to save uh, surprises for Gen Con, and I expect some surprises this year. Yeah, that's probably the next big place that we're going to get, you know, a whole bunch of info from. Yeah, I don't think they had new information coming out of Origins. No, nope. uh, uh, I don't recall anything. So uh, I think they're saving up for Gen Con. Uh, and uh, we'll be there, and we we may even be recording a little uh, gorilla podcast episode uh, from Gen Con to update you as quickly as possible uh, about the news coming out from the show. Uh, oh no, uh, we'd have to release out a cycle. We, we will find a way uh, to to do this. I think even if it's recording off my little micro mic uh, in in a noisy hallway. Uh, we will apologize for the audio quality and then say, if you don't want the news, you can always delete it. But uh, I figure it might be worthwhile to get that information out to people. And who knows, we might even be able to corner some people involved in the production. We have no promises uh, from anyone right now, so I don't mean to in- in- implicate that. But uh, they tend to be very accommodating at Gen Con, so I think I- I'm optimistic we'll be able to get at least a hello uh, <laughs> from from people from Monday Games. We we will definitely be able to get uh, one person. Like uh, our friend Darcy Ross is working for Monty Cook Games now. That's true. Absolutely, that was just announced this week. Yeah, so we'll see her at Gen Con as an official represent uh, representative uh, for Monty Cook Games. So, at the very least, I'm sure we'll be able to get some time with Darcy to say hello. This ends our walk. Maybe you discovered something today. Maybe you need to look closer. The music was titled Beyond from Wes Otis and Plate Mail Games. It is available from DriveThruRPG. Invisible Sun is the intellectual property of Monty Cook Games. You can find a link to their website in the show notes. You can find our blog at incantationspodcast.blogspot.com or email us at incantationspodcast at gmail.com. You can find me at Dr. Scott Robinson on Twitter. And you can find me at Tex underscore Red on Twitter. So leave us a rating and a review on iTunes. We hear it helps people find the show. Uh, or tell a friend about the show, and that would be another great way to help us out. Thanks. <laughs>